Welcome to Christian Assembly, a family church. Since 1930, we've been serving the communities of Western Pennsylvania, Ohio, and West Virginia with the good news of Jesus Christ. With over 40 years of Bible teaching and ministry experience, Pastor Bill brings faith-filled revelation from God's Word. We believe with you, wherever you are, that God will inspire and change your life through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly, follow us on social media or visit our website at cafamily.net. It all comes from Him. It all comes from the throne of grace. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's wonderful to be a part of the greatest family that there'll ever be. The family of God. Amen. Praise ye the Lord. The family of God. Washed in the blood of the Lamb. He took us into His own family to be part of His own. Isn't that good to know? That's how much He thought of every single one of us. And to do so, he had to sacrifice his son, which is beyond our comprehension, but he did it. That's how much you and I are loved by him. Hallelujah. Really, faith should be that simple and automatic when you think about the love of God and what he has toward us and what he's done for us. You would think that faith would just be a simple thing. But because of our thinking that gets in the way, it's difficult because we don't think about his greatness as much as we think about our weakness. But thank God the greater one lives in us and we can learn how to draw from his strength and ability. Amen. Let's hold our Bibles to heaven and say thank you, Father, for your holy written word. It's a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Your words are life to me and health to all of my flesh. I have what your word says I have. I am what your word says I am. I can do what your word says I can do. Holy Spirit, anoint my ears to hear my heart to receive, my mind to be open to the knowledge of the truth that makes me free. Quicken me according to the word. Change me from glory to glory. And I boldly say, I will never ever be the same again. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. A couple weeks ago, I talked about developing a strong spirit. Lesson one, this is lesson two. But Wednesday night, I shared some thoughts about the word of God. Look at Isaiah 66 and verse two before we give you a review and continue with our study. For all, this is from the Amplified Classic Version. For all these things my hand has made, and so all these things have come into being by and for me, says the Lord. But this is the man to whom I will look and have regard. Do you want to be that person? Well, who is he? Who is she? He who, hum, who is a hum, humble and of a broken or wounded spirit and who trembles at my word and reveres my commands. Wow. Trembles at my word. And what I said Wednesday night, we should almost use that verse before we ever even teach the word of God. Because I want to ask us all the question, do we tremble at his word? When I think of the word tremble, what, what does it really mean? Remember how Moses was there at the mount? where the fire and the smoke and all that, and he was just so full of fear, reverential fear of how holy God is, how great God is, and it was a trembling that was taking place, a shaking. 
Well, I don't know about you, but I know about my dogs. When there's thunder and lightning outside, they are trembling like that. And you try to calm them down and hold them, and they're just trembling. And you know, it's just, it's just thunder. Angels moving furniture. That's all it is. But they don't know that, and they're trembling. What's he trying to say to us? I want people to have an attitude toward my word so that when I speak, they take those words to heart. They reverence them, and they choose to honor my commands. And that's what keeping the commandments of the Lord are all about. Finding out what he said. This is not just a religious book. It's a book of life. It reveals to us our creator and his plan and purpose for our lives. And so we open up the book and we read through the pages of the book, not just to study it religiously or say I've read so many chapters, but to find out what he said about me, about my life, about my thoughts, about my attitude. Do I really revere his word? And his commandments. Do I take him to heart like he wants me to? Or am I just learning chapter and verse so I can quote it? No, he has given us his word to help us. His word is for our benefit. His word is to bless us. He's not giving us his word or his commandments so that he could control our lives for a wrong purpose or reason. He said, look, this is for your own good. Just like you would for your child. Don't go down that path. It's not for your own good. And they'll look at you and say, well, it's because of this generation gap. I know what's best for me. And you go, no, no, you don't. I've been down that path before and you don't want to take that path. And you try to instill within their thinking what's the right way to go. That's exactly what he's doing. When he said, uh, thou shalt not kill, it's for your benefit and mine. When he said, thou shalt not steal, it's for your benefit and for mine. When he said, don't bear false witness, it's the same thing. When he said, don't covet, it's the same thing. When he said, I am God, to put no strange gods before me, it's for our own benefit. And when he said, no images, remember my name to keep it holy. Don't use it in vain. Being here today, the Sabbath, keep it holy. It's for our own benefit and our own good. In other words, he wants us to hear this word with ears that say, I tremble at the word that is spoken because I want to honor it. I want to live it, have it play out in my life. And when he gave us a commandment in the New Testament, a new commandment I give you. What's new about it? He said, you, we know we love God with all of our hearts, so mind and strength. We love our neighbor as ourselves." But he said, no, no, the new one is that you love one another as I have loved you. What a challenge. What cause for trembling to say, do I really love every person the way he loved me? And he takes it to the ultimate step when he says, and love your enemies. Love your enemies. And he gave us an example when he died on Calvary those who were, were the ones that killed him, that crucified him, he said, greater love is no man than this. And while we were all his enemy, what did he do? 
He died for us. And said, Father, forgive even the ones that are killing me because they don't know what they're doing. What an example to follow. And how do we gauge our spirituality? Am I strong in the Lord? Am I developing a strong spiritual condition? Because you see, my spiritual condition is going to determine the quality of my life. And so that's why we want to talk about this. But before I even get to that, look at Nehemiah. This will absolutely either thrill you or get you to running away, <laughs> one or the other. Now, on the 24th day of this month, the children of Israel were assembled with fasting, with sackcloth and earth upon them. And the seed of Israel separated themselves from all strangers and stood and confessed their sins. And the iniquities of their fathers. And they stood up in their place and read in the book of the law of the Lord their God one fourth part of the day. And another fourth part they confessed and worshipped the Lord their God. Now, what they considered the day, the day would be from six o'clock in the morning to six o'clock in the evening. So a fourth part of the day is what? Three hours. From six to nine, nine to twelve, twelve to three, and three to six. So for three hours, the Levites read the law. So starting next week, <laughs> we're going to read for three hours. And you're just sitting there going. <laughs> and then for three hours, they confessed and worshipped for three hours. That's six hours. So they had a six-hour service where they just read the word for three hours and they confessed not just their faults and their sins, but also the greatness and the goodness of God like we were doing here this morning. And they worshiped for three hours. That's something. You talk about giving attention to God and letting Him know that we're here to honor you. So when you even consider the fact that He said, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy, especially on days like this. In other words, be consumed only with God on that day. Put my word before you. Take it to heart. Be serious about it. Learn my ways, my thoughts. His ways and thoughts are so much higher than ours, we could never, never do enough studying of his ways and thoughts. But what our goal should be is to be changed by what we're reading and what we're hearing. Now, in our review, look at Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 14. This is from the Amplify, the classic version. The strong spirit of a man sustains him in bodily pain or trouble, but a weak and broken spirit who can raise up or bear. Do you know that even as a believer, you can have a stronger or a weak spiritual condition? And to be honest with you, the condition of our spirit is going to determine the quality of our lives. We need to be strong in spirit. I didn't say in flesh. Didn't say with the in intelligence, intellect, but in spirit, a strong spiritual condition. We talked about in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23, how it tells us that man is a tripart being, spirit, soul, and body. And so because of that, we recognize our need to basically minister to all three parts of our being, spirit, soul, and body. And so because we're a tripart being, in the fall, all three parts of our being were affected. We became separated from God spiritually. The soul became darkened and lost the knowledge of God. And the body became mortal or subject to death. 
But thank God because of redemption, because of redemption, because of the blood of Jesus, the spirit can be restored to life once again. The soul can be renewed with the word of God and the body one day will be glorified. Hallelujah for a new body. Aren't you glad for a new body? I know I am. The older you get, the more you're looking forward to that new body. Right? Amen. Well, if you are, and I believe you're all a born-again believer here today, you're a child of God, you've been washed in the blood of the Lamb, well, you've entered a war zone. A war zone. Did you know that you're in a war? You're in a battle? The flesh wars against the spirit. The spirit wars against the flesh. And we talked about the need for the mind to be renewed to the Word of God and the need to practice thought replacement. We have to cast down thoughts and imaginations that exalt themselves against the knowledge of God and bring into captivity every thought unto the obedience of Christ. So here's where the battlefield is. It's in the mind, between the ears. And it's up to us to do what? Educate ourselves in the Word of God, find out all the details of what Christ has done for us in His finished work, and then, even though our thoughts are different than that, to replace our thoughts with His thoughts and start seeing ourselves the way He sees us and not how we see ourselves or how the world sees us or how the devil wants us to see ourselves. No, we've got to renew our mind to the Word of God to have a strong spiritual condition. Now, look at Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10 as we continue our study. Finally, my brethren, in other words, what's left to do, be strong in yourself. Be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Of course, he goes on to talk about our spiritual armor, but we're not going to get into that right now. We're going to answer this question. How does our flesh become strong? How does this man on the outside, our body, become strong? Well, number one, we better feed it, right? Because if you don't feed it, it will cry out, and you hear some rumblings on the inside for food. It's indicating to you and to me that I need some nourishment, right? Secondly, through exercise. We need to exercise to be strong physically. And what's the third one? We need rest, all three, in order for us to be strong and healthy externally in this outward man. So we need food, we need exercise, and we need rest. What about the spirit of man? Same thing. Our spirit needs nourished. It needs fed the Word of God. It needs exercise. We need to exercise ourselves in godliness. And then we need to rest in the Lord and the power of His might so the power of His might can be exchanged within us. Look at the scriptures that declare these truths. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6. If thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished up in the words of faith and of good doctrine. There's your nourishment. It's the word of faith. And good doctrine, whereunto thou hast attained. But refuse profane and old wives' tales or fables and exercise. 
exercise thyself rather unto godliness. Notice the exercise. We exercise ourselves in godliness. For a bodily exercise profits little or for a little while while you're in your body on the earth. But godliness, in other words, exercising ourselves in godliness is profitable unto all things. Having the promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation. In other words, we should all accept it. So we see two things here that he's declaring to Timothy. We need nourishment. We need to be nourished in what? Faith and sound doctrine. And we need exercise, spiritual exercise. But then look at Isaiah chapter 40 and look at verse 31. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not weary. And they shall walk and not faint. Here we have the third thing that helps us to develop a strong spirit. We've got to feed our spirit the word of God on a daily basis. We've got to exercise ourselves in godliness. And we need to rest, take time of resting in the Lord, waiting upon the Lord, exchanging with the Lord, interacting with Him. Actually, the word means to exchange strengths with Him. Would you rather have the strength of uh, the greatest bodybuilder who ever lived or Jesus? It's a no-brainer, right? The strength of God. So those are the three things that are necessary for us to develop a strong spirit. Now, when I first came 44 years ago, it was a message of love, a message of faith, and a message of the spirit. Those three things. A strong spirit, number one, you've got to be strong in the love of God. God loving you and then you loving others. Loving God first and loving others with the same love. That's what it's all about because God is love. And when we got saved, the love of God was what? Shed abroad in our hearts by the spirit who was given to us. So we've got this new kind of love on the inside of us that he wants us to develop and love others with. And so we need to be, let's say, on purpose, those who study what this love is all about. The love of God, the agape kind of love, the divine love of God. Not just to say I read the love chapter, but I need to be a follower of God as dear children and do what? Walk in love. So it's to be strong in love, to walk in love, to the degree that Jesus did, even loving our enemies and those that have been against us or that come against us from every direction. But God wants us to still love. By this shall all men know that you're my disciples because you go to church on Sunday morning. Because you gave a turkey in the turkey drive. No, by this shall all men know you're my disciples, because what? You have love one to another. So what is the earmark? What marks us as believers? How are we identified as a believer? They see the love of God in us. We're dripping with the love of God. When we get squeezed, it's the love of God that comes out of us. Anybody perfected in that yet? Not one? But we're on that road, aren't we? We want to emulate the life of Christ, don't we? We want to love the world that we're in by praying for everyone, by believing God for everyone. 
and by also being a living epistle of the living Christ, known and read of all men, because they may not hear your words, but they do see our lives. And when they see us loving even them with the love of God, something happens. They're drawn to Him. And that's what God wants us to do. So what is this that helps us develop a strong spiritual condition? The love of God. And ask ourselves the question, how developed am I in the love of God? But then it's also faith, being strong in faith. You can have strong faith, you can have weak faith. You can have little faith or great faith. You can have perfect faith. You can have shipwreck faith. But God wants us to develop our faith so that we can be strong. And we'll talk about that in just a moment in the life of Abraham. But also when it comes to being strong in the Spirit. This is the dispensation of the Holy Ghost. This is His time on the earth. And you know what? Soon enough, we're going to get raptured out of here. Now, the Holy Ghost is going to stay, but the Holy Ghost in us is going to leave. We're going to be leaving, and we won't be able to impact people any longer in our circle of influence because we're gone from here. But you know what? He's still going to move upon people's hearts and minds. When people see that the rapture has taken place and they've been left behind, they're going to be panic-stricken. Some will think that aliens came and took people away and all that stuff. But no, it was only Jesus. He met us in the air. And it was either stay here or go with him. And we said, goodbye. Crew world, goodbye. And we went off to be with him and our loved ones to eternal glory, right? I'll tell you what, how in the world can we possibly do it without the Holy Ghost power? You shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you're going to be my witness. Notice the very first thing he says. You're going to be my witness. With that power, you're going to witness. The strength of the Spirit of God inside of us will equip us and enable us to be a witness for Jesus. A powerful witness for Jesus. How? First of all, by dealing with self. Changing us. On the inside, enlightening us, leading us, directing us, guiding us, helping us overcome the things that try to hold us back. You know, we're all challenged when you get saved. Like I said, we're in a warfare. You know, your flesh might want to dominate in some other area of your life than my life, but still it's the flesh warring against the spirit and the spirit warring against the flesh. And it's up to us to do what? To think the thoughts of God. Now, I want you to notice in Hebrews chapter 12, and verse 1, this is not going to be a trick question, but what chapter comes before chapter 12? You all got an A. <laughs> chapter 11. And what is chapter 11? The faith chapter, right? The hall of faith, the faith hall of fame, if you want to say it that way. But before I comment on that, look at this verse. Therefore, we also having a so great a cloud of witnesses set around us, Every weight having put off and the closely besetting sin through endurance, may we run the contest that is set before us. What is he saying? He said, in, notice therefore. What's it therefore? Therefore, based on what? Chapter 11. Well, what's chapter 11 all about? By faith, the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things that are seen were not made of things that do appear. By faith, Abel offered a greater sacrifice than Cain. By faith, Enoch walked with God and he was not. 
By faith, Abraham, you know what he did. By faith, Sarah, you know what she did. And the list goes on and on. All the patriarchs of old and the faith that they displayed and how God honored their faith. Therefore, because we are encompassed about with the great cloud of witnesses, with all these in the grandstands of heaven that are looking down upon us, therefore, set aside or lay aside the weights and the sins that so easily beset us. So if chapter 11 is talking about this great faith they display, chapter 12 is talking about how it's important that if we want to experience what they experienced, then we got to let go of some weights and sins that hold us back. To be strong in spirit, we got to get rid of the things that try to pull us down in spirit. Look at the book of Ezekiel 21, verse 7. This is from, again, the Amplified Classic Virgin. Version, version. It shall be that when they say to you, why do you sigh? That you shall answer because of the tidings or the news. When it comes, every heart will melt and all hands will be feeble. Every spirit will faint and all knees will be weak as water. Behold, it comes and it shall be fulfilled, says the Lord God. Whoa. You see what news can do? It can cause hearts to melt, hands to be feeble, spirits to faint, and knees to become weak. So what's he trying to communicate to us? What are we listening to? What are we hearing? Are we just listening to all the negative statements that come across our television sets and radios and newspapers and all that? Are we listening to all that? Are we living our lives in fear, worry, anxiety? I'll never forget Y2K. Y2K. People became millionaires selling books on fear. Y2K. Well, what happened with Y2K? Anything? But everybody was panicking. Everybody was out there doing what? Buying bottled water by the droves and and canned food, and building shelters, and all that, and seeing to it that when all this thing happens, we'll be underground like hermits. And if someone tries to come and get a bottle of water, we'll have our trusty rifle. And in love, we'll shoot them. Okay. Bad news can produce fear, worry, anxiety. Bad news can weigh down the spirit of any individual. You could become discouraged with what we hear. So, think about what we're being weighed down with. Here's an example. Look in the book of Joshua, chapter 14. An example of what takes place inside the heart or the spirit of a man when bad news comes. This is Caleb. He is speaking to Joshua. Forty years old was I when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me to Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land. And I brought him word again as it was in mine heart. Nevertheless, my brethren that went up with me made the heart of the people melt. But I wholly followed the Lord my God. You see what the wrong news can do? Bad news can make the heart melt. 
bad news can weaken the spiritual condition. And when we focus our attention on things that are bad news, the enemy takes advantage of that and do, does everything he possibly can to undermine our spiritual condition. Well, how does that work? Well, when it comes to a strong spirit, we're talking about power and we're talking about strength and we're also talking about being burden free and not being weighed down with worry, anxiety, fear, and etc. Give me an example here. How many of you know the racehorse secretariat? And what did Secretariat do? Won the Triple Crown, right? Back in the day, what, 73 or something like that? Back in the day, won the Triple Crown? Mm-hmm. Powerful horse. Now, before a race, before one of those three races, what is it, the uh, Kentucky Derby, the Preakness, right, and the Belmont Stakes? He lost to a horse named Sham, one of his initial losses, but they found out that he was sick which is why he couldn't endure the race. And so this owner of Sham said, we got you in the Belmont Stakes because it's the long race. He may be fast in the short distance races, but the long distance race, we've got him. We beat him once, we'll beat him again. Well, if you know the story, he was so powerful I think he won the race by 31 lengths, which is unheard of and unthinkable. Here's my question to you today. Do you think he would have won any of those races with a 500-pound jockey on his back? Anybody here think he would have won that? You see, a jockey has to be 125 or under. And you know the reason for that. The weight, no matter how powerful you are, no matter how strong you are, that weight weighing you down is going to slow you down and interfere with your progress. So it's important that we understand the enemy is going to come our way and try to weigh us down with worry, with anxiety, with fear, sins, etc. He knows our weaknesses. He's going to probe us when it comes to our weaknesses and try to get us to a place to where he dominates our lives and we just walk around in worry, fear, anxiety, frustration, discouragement, and you know, you get to a place that you want to give up. Well, the reason for that is because we haven't learned to cast our care upon the Lord who cares for us and accept the sacrifice of his blood that cleanses us from all of our sins. And the enemy wants us to highlight our faults, our fears, our shortcomings and all that. We talked about the warfare. Look at Romans chapter 8 and verse 6. We talked about the battlefield. We talked about the warfare. What's taking place between our ears is going to affect us spiritually. And if we yield to the flesh, then the flesh will dominate us. If we yield to the spirit, the spirit will dominate us. It's up to us to make a decision. And here it is. For to be carnally minded is what? Is what? Anything good about that? To be spiritually minded is what? Life and peace. 
So can you see the two? To be carnally minded is death. To be spiritually minded is life and peace. So where are we drawing our strength from internally? Are we like the ten spies that said, it's too difficult, we can't do this. Look, there's walls that are fortified. There are soldiers that are there that are uh, trained in fighting and warfare. We're no match for any of this. Have you ever got up in the morning and thought, I'm no match for the day? I'm surrounded by all this, that, and the other thing. And my goodness, that feels like I don't even want to get out of bed this morning. I'm sure at some time or another, we all felt like, hmm, another humdrum day or whatever. Well, what's happening? There's two laws at work in the earth. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus that makes us free from the law of sin and death or the law of sin and death that doesn't allow us to draw from the life that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So there's no guilt or condemnation to those who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Because this law of the spirit of life will liberate us from the law of sin and death. Why is it more natural to gravitate toward this law of sin and death than it is toward that? Because of our feelings and emotions. Our feelings and emotions will dictate to us and tell us, you're not really that good. The devil will side with it and point out that you're not really that strong. You should worry. You should have fear because you don't really have a whole lot of faith. And if we buy the lie, guess what? It's going to weigh us down. It's going to hold us captive. I can't really forgive that person. Why? Because you have no idea what they did to me. Well, no matter what they did to you, you've been forgiven the $25 billion debt. You better forgive the other person. Because if you don't, he said, I won't forgive you either. Right? And so it's a mandate that he's given us. Well, how can I love that person over here? You have any idea what that person has done? It doesn't matter what that person's done. A command has nothing to do with the other person. The command is given to you, it's given to me to love as he loved me. Hallelujah. Right? I'm supposed to love as he loved me. Same with you. You're supposed to love as he loved you. And so he is saying we need to set aside the weights and the sins that so easily beset us so we can run with patience the race that is set before us. See, it's a race of faith, not feeling, not emotion. When it comes to marriage, someone says, well, I don't feel like I love him or I love her anymore. What's that got to do with it? You can, you've been commanded, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. He didn't say if you feel like it. Is it okay to meddle a little bit? He didn't say if you feel like it. Did you feel like getting up this morning and coming to church? Maybe some of you did, maybe some of you didn't. But are you here? How many of you, when you were in high school, felt like going to school every day? One. But did you go? You may have gone with a rebellious heart and attitude, or because your mother looked you in the eyeball and said, get out of here. Go to church. Go to school. The carnal mind will weaken us spiritually. The spiritual mind will strengthen us spiritually. The devil knows how to aggravate us by appealing to the carnal mind. And when decisions are made to obey the carnal mind, 
it weakens the spiritual condition of a person. Well, what's the remedy for that? The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Start replacing our thoughts with the thoughts of God. Some people deal with um, insecurity, um, low self-esteem, inferiority, guilt, sin consciousness. Those are weights that will hold down a person's spiritual condition. Doubt, unbelief. I, I wish I was like somebody else who can believe God and you're already down on yourself. Why? Because the enemy comes along and tells you you're not as strong as somebody else in faith. Wait a minute. How about this? God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. How about start saying something like that? God has given me the measure of faith. And he told me if I had faith as a grain of mustard seed, I can remove a mountain. I can uproot a tree. And I can overcome in this world. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to feed my faith. I'm going to feed on the truths and doctrines of God's word. I am going to exercise myself in godliness and I'm going to rest in the Lord. You know what the beauty of resting in the Lord is? Once we get to that place, we cease to do it and He does it. We sit back and watch Him work and we see the salvation of our God. So, look at um, 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 3. This is, from, again, from the classic version of the Amplified Bible. Paul says, now I'm fearful lest that even as the serpent beguiled Eve by his cunning, so your minds may be corrupted and seduced from wholehearted and sincere and pure devotion to Christ. He understood the warfare. He knew what was going on. He knew these people were being attacked by the devil like Eve was attacked by the devil to think wrong thoughts. That's why he said, you've got to cast down these thoughts and imaginations that exalt themselves against the knowledge of God. Look, God says you're worthy. I hear preachers say all the time, I'm so unworthy to come before your throne. Oh, Lord, if it's in your mercy that you would... Wait a minute. You know, how long does it take for people to understand the redemptive work of Christ? You're not somebody special. He is. And you are in Him. And because you're in Him, He sees Him in you. You've got on the armor of God, not your armor, not Saul's armor. You've got on the armor of God. Can you see that? Praise God. You know, Abraham wasn't always strong in faith. You realize that. He wasn't. He got to the place where he was strong in faith, but he wasn't always strong in faith. He made some bad choices and decisions. How about saying, hey, this is not my wife, it's my sister. Oh, really? Is that right? What about this? Well, let's have a child, you know, with Hagar. We'll name him Ishmael. And God says, uh, uh, no, that's not it either. See, he warred with his own feelings and emotions as well. And to be honest with you, who could blame him after almost 20-some years when it seems like it didn't come to pass? And when finally he got to the point or to the place, see, this is where strong faith comes in, strong spiritual condition. Man, I've exhausted every means. I've done everything I possibly can. I even had a baby with Hagar. And I wanted Ishmael to be the child of promise. And God says to him, Abraham, are you done? You done yet? 
Okay. Now, your wife, Sarah, is going to have a baby with you. Period. Oh. See, sometimes it takes us to get to a place like that that says, I've exhausted everything I could possibly do. And you know what? I'm turning it over to God completely. I'm just going to look to Him completely. Let Him take over. I just believe. I'm going to rest in His Word. If that's what He said, that's what He meant. You remember the story of Samson? Let's get through this real quick. Judges 16, look at the first three verses. Samson, the strong man, went to Gaza and saw there an harlot and went in unto her. And it was told the Gazites, saying, Samson has come hither. And they compassed him in and laid wait for him all night in the gate of the city. And were quiet all the night, saying, in the morning when it is day, we shall kill him. Samson lay till midnight. Midnight, and rose at midnight and took the doors of the gate of the city and the two posts and went away with them, bar and all, and put them upon his shoulders and carried them up to the top of a hill that is before Hebron. You might want to say, wow. wow. Did, you, did you read that? Do you know how big the gates, the city gates were? Chariots would go through there. You lose your gates, you lose your defense in those days. He not only uproots them, puts them on his shoulders, and carries them quite a distance up a hill. That's pretty strong, wouldn't you say? Mm -hmm. He could fight the Philistines and with the jawbone of a mule kill 1,000 warriors at one time. It's pretty strong, isn't it? But when he slept with Delilah, what happened then? Where did strength go then? When he got full of arrogance and pride and thought he could do whatever he wanted to do and he didn't any longer listen to the Lord and observe his commandment, what happened? He lost it all. He lost his strength. God wants us to feed on his word, exercise ourselves in godliness and rest in him so we can be strong in him emulate his life remember king david look at uh, look at genesis 39 while i'm saying this david didn't just start with goliath he started with a lion and a bear and then he moved on to goliath he grew in his faith and knowledge of god it came to pass this is Potiphar's wife. As she spake day by day that he hearkened not. Notice that expression. He hearkened not unto her. Remember the expression way back when? when who, who came up with it? Just say no. Remember? Just say no. He, that he hearkened not 
under her, to lie with her or be with her. Joseph is an example of someone with a strong spirit. Samson is an example of someone who weakened in spirit because he gave in to the thoughts and imaginations rather than casting them down. Here's where the warfare truly lies, right here in our, in our minds, our battlefield of the mind. God wants us to relive these things once again. He wants us to develop a strong spirit by feeding on the Word of God. And I mean not just reading scriptures, but I mean taking a truth and saying to the Lord, by your spirit, birth that within me. You are a masterpiece. You've heard me say that over and over. You're a work of outstanding skill, artistry, and workmanship. That's who you are. But you've got the world telling you that if you side with the things of God in this generation, a generation that has taken God's things out of government, God's things out of our school, prayer out of our school, the word out of our schools, systems, etc., etc., redefining what marriage is all about, saying it's okay to murder children and all that. If you side with that, you're siding with weakness. If you side against that, you're a marked individual in our society today. You're a bigot. And the list goes on and on. It's time for the real church to stand up, to rise up, take our place, do our part, and fear not. Rest in Him. To declare God's Word to be true, no matter how people look at us. To be like a Joseph that says, no, that's wrong. In Isaiah chapter 26 and verse 3, we could be weighed down with worry, fear, anxiety because of what's going on in the world today. Or we can follow this. I will keep you in perfect peace when your mind is stayed on me because you trust in me. Amen. And in John 14, verse 27, where Jesus himself said this, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. Not as the world gives, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. In other words, don't allow it. You realize what a battle that is, what a struggle that is? Do we realize that? Don't let your heart be troubled. In a troubled world, when we're surrounded by all this ugliness, when we're crying out for Christ to come, to take us out of this place with all the evil that's around us, he is saying, I'm holding on to get the last person into the kingdom. And I want you to be a part of that last great day work. I want to use you to bring them from the realms of darkness into the light of my kingdom and truth. He wants us not just to play church, praise God, but to go into all the world and proclaim Jesus in this world. Not a religious book, but a book that transfers the life of God from its pages into our spiritual being. As we feed upon it, and as we declare it and decree it to be true, the greater one lives in me. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. I'm an heir of God and a joint heir with Jesus. I'm more than a conqueror to the one who loves me. And greater is he that's in me than he that is in the world. And the world cannot overcome me. God's words are truth and they are forever settled. Hallelujah.
And I settled them in my heart. I am what the Word says I am. I have what the Word says I have. And I can do what the Word says I can do.